I am impressed uh, that you made it out today, minus seven. No big deal, right? No big deal. Thanks for coming out today. Pastor Chad and Rhonda are away for a few days, and we'll be back with us uh, next Sunday. Uh, Family stories tell me that it was in the early 1900s that my great-grandfather, McGinnis, purchased a Swiss family music box. And uh, stories go on to tell that there was a house fire, and uh, as a result of the house fire, um, my grandfather uh, went into the home, and uh, I need to have this center. It makes me feel better here, okay? Um, took the box so that it would not be caught up in flames. And then ever since then, my grandfather had this Swiss music box. And over the years, this box became a treasured uh, possession of my family. Uh, So my dad, just before my grandmother passed away about 20 years ago, my grandmother gave this music box to her. It looks something like that right there. Um, And... Stories go on to say that I'm the oldest son, and since I've been a good boy, um, someday that music box will be mine. And I am really excited about someday owning, having this treasured possession uh, in my home. Now, growing up, I have fond memories of that music box because when my brother and my sister and I would visit my grandma and grandpa McGinnis, we would sleep on the floor. And almost every time my grandpa would get up early in the morning, uh, make his coffee, his toast, get his jelly out. That's what he liked on his toast. And then at some point, uh, he would crank the lever of that music box. The box is probably about two feet long, maybe about eight inches high. It has a lid that opens up, and on the inside of the lid, there is the name of the songs that will be played in, in, in Swiss? Okay, Swiss, yeah. And uh, so he'd pull that lever, and then that cylinder would go around and play this beautiful music. What a way to wake up in the morning, don't you think? So it's a fond memory, this treasured possession. Now, my parents have it, like I said, they've had it for the last 20 years or so. And I love my parents. I respect them highly. But, like, my kids don't have a good memory of this treasured possession because my parents keep this music box uh, wrapped up in a towel, locked up in a closet. And I guess their rationale is if someone would break into their house, they don't want someone to take this family heirloom. However, what good is a treasured possession if it's not used? We have been uh, led well the last several weeks through the uh, sermon series that Pastor Chad has been teaching, bodybuilding, building up the body of Christ. And I hope, you know, I'm not trying to earn any brownie points here, but uh, I, I hope you appreciate uh, the healthy 
menu that we receive uh, every Sunday morning uh, from our, our pastor. I, I have such great respect. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Pastor Keith, oh, no, I forgot my water bottle. And I'm, should I, let me go. Okay. I've been wrestling all week with this throat, and I better have that close by. Thanks, Mark. Whoa, okay. Uh, um, I appreciate so much. Uh, his diligence. And, you know, last Saturday as we were flying home, I, I got to see firsthand uh, uh, his passion, his desire, his hard work in putting a message together as I kind of peeked over his shoulder while he was preparing last week. And uh, we, have, we have been reminded through this sermon series that our goal as followers of Christ is one thing, and that is Maturity. Maturity. We need to, quite frankly, grow up. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. The Apostle Paul writes, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Throughout the New Testament, we are challenged throughout the epistles especially to grow, to develop, to move forward in our relationship with Christ. We never want to stay stagnant. That's not good in a, in a love relationship. That's not good in a, in a friendship relationship. And it certainly is not good in our relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. We should not be the same as we were yesterday, especially as we see the day approaching. Scripture tells us, that the day of Christ's return is coming. We're one day closer than we were yesterday, right? Absolutely. As we get closer to that day, Scripture tells us that we will face challenges. The truth and doctrine that we have believed and based our faith on will be challenged. Scripture even states that many Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Can you imagine? That's a sad commentary. What should we do? Very simply, we need to aim towards maturity. And I am here to remind you today that the only way, the only way for you and I to grow, to mature, to develop, we cannot do it without this right here. There is absolutely no way that we can mature in our faith without a healthy dose of God's holy word in our lives. His word, the Bible, the manual for life. Calvary Church teaches and believes, along with other evangelical churches, that this book right here is unlike any other book we believe that this book is verbally inspired by god 
It was not just the ideas that were inspired. Even the choices of words were inspired as the original writers were inspired, directed, moved, empowered by God to write what he wanted them to say. Everything, just so that you know, everything we do at Calvary Church is focused around this book right here. Everything. Our doctrine, our planning, our preparing, our teaching, our counseling, our encouraging, our instructing is all focused around this book. Why? Well, first of all, let me answer this question. What is the Bible? What is the Bible? This is what we believe. This is what we practice. First of all, the Bible is God's revelation of himself to mankind. God is revealing who he is through this book right here. Now, I did something yesterday in honor of Valentine's Day. Yeah, I, I, I did the right thing. but Well, didn't I? Yes, I did. Okay, good. Um, but I, I dug out my old scrapbook um, that, that I've thrown stuff in since I was a kid to, to college. Just clippings and this and that. And guess what I found? I found some love letters. Yes, some nice cards that my wife gave to me um, while we were dating. There were some pictures that were really hilarious. You want to see them? Sorry, sorry, can't see them. But uh, it took me back. You see, when you are dating, when you are determining who you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you got to get to know each other. And back in the day, we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> we, we had a phone that was attached to the wall with a cord, and that cost a lot of money to use it when you made a long-distance phone call. Remember those days? And so we would write letters. Um, and those letters took days to get. My wife grew up in Iowa. I grew up in Michigan. When we were not in college, we were apart from each other, and that's how we stayed in touch. You see, God wrote a love letter. He wanted you to know about him, and he wanted you to know and understand his love for you. Happy Valentine's Day. Isn't that awesome? Secondly, we believe the Bible is infallible. Infallible. It is never wrong. It is completely true. The entire word speaks of truth. The entire word. From cover to cover, it speaks of truth. It's not a buffet. You don't get to open up and just pick and choose what you want to believe and what you, how you want to live. Cover to cover, the Bible is true. Number three, the Bible, we believe, is the divinely authoritative guide, a manual for our faith, our belief, and our manner of living. One of the first things that I do when I get a new car, which happens about once every 29 years, is um, I open up the glove compartment. Why do they call it a glove compartment? I don't put my glove. Do you put your gloves in there? I don't. But anyway, in that glove compartment, there is the manual for your car. So the first thing is I do is I thumb through that manual and I try to figure out my car, especially 
the first time one of those lights go on your dash, you try, what is that like? Okay, this right here is our manual for life. It is our textbook. Aren't you glad God thought of that? That he gave us a word, a manual, a textbook for our lives. In our culture today, these three principles are obviously up for debate. And they have been from the very beginning. What is shared this morning will not prove the Bible is the word of God. But it will be made clear that this book is uniquely superior to any and all other books ever. A professor once remarked, if you are an intelligent person, you will read the one book, the Bible, that has drawn more attention than any other if you're searching for the truth. So here's the bottom line. If we do not agree that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is therefore infallible and, and, uh, and authoritative, we have no dependable standard on which to base our lives. What a sad way to live this life if you don't have that kind of resource. Don't you agree? Instead of having a guy that is fixed and reliable as the Bible, everything becomes relative and uncertain. However, since God does not change, we can be certain that his truth remains steadfast, enduring all generations and all cultures. Now, if you're like me, you probably have a Bible. You may have a few Bibles. And um, I grew up, my parents, you know, loved them, but they were just a little strange. In regards to, well, let me tell you why. My parents taught me, taught us kids, like we've already taught, that this Bible is unique. That it's different. That it's the very word of God. Many mornings I would get up and come up from my downstairs bedroom. And you know what my father would be doing? He'd be in his recliner. Reading the Bible. Isn't that strange? <laughs> I told you they were a little strange. And then many more, or many days after school, uh, I come home from school and I would catch my mother in the living room, sitting on her couch. Not her, our couch. I mean, you know, well, she picked it up, so I guess it's her couch. But uh, she was reading the scripture. Now, sometimes she had dropped off and was taking a little nap, but you know, that's okay. Isn't that odd? That a mom and a dad would be found on a regular basis reading the Bible? I told you they were a little tipsy. <laughs> My parents even taught me, now this is not doctrine. So don't go home and say the Bible says. But my parents taught me that you treat this differently. So I've grown up. It's a book with pages. But in its pages are the living word of God. And so I can never put it on the floor. I just can't. Again, it's not doctrine, all right? Some of you are picking your Bibles up right now. It's okay, whatever. Um, I, I could never put another book on top of it. Like I went to a Christian college and um, 
what's so cool is the Bible was one of the textbooks in many of my classes. And so, you know, you're going to classes, you don't have a break, and you're carrying all of these books, and the Bible always had to be on the top. I, I told you my parents were a little... Here are some of my Bibles that I've grown up with. Um, this one right here, if the camera can get this one, you'll get a, you'll get a kick out of this. Um, this is the 1970s Reach Out Bible. Do you remember that one? Now, you've got to understand, growing up, you know, back in the day, all we had was King James. And that's cool, that's fine. But when the living Reach Out Bible came out. Wow. It even had some pictures in it that... Uh, so this was a Bible I used a lot when I was a teenager. In fact, I see notes in here. This Bible helped me to grow up and figure out how to be a young man of God. And so I look at those notes and I go, God, thank you for your holy word. This Bible here... This is the Bible my parents got me uh, for my, when I graduated from high school. Do people still give Bibles for gifts? Do they? Are we as grateful for a new copy of the Word of God as we used to be? So, yeah, this is, this is King James, 35 years old, and a special Bible. Um, this one here was the Bible I used when I was youth pastor here at Calvary for 13 years. And so uh, this is the Bible that I would teach students from. It's the NIV student Bible. And uh, this one here is very special for me. Um, This is where I put notes. My daughter wrote me a special note many years ago, and I got it tucked in here, and there are some pictures. But... This Bible has been around the world with me. 26 countries, 24 trips. Uh, This is the Bible I've taken all around the world and had the privilege to teach and preach from. Uh, You know, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. The living, active Word of God. Again, there's no book quite like the Bible. The Bible is more unique than any other book. Let me, let me give you some, some, uh, some idea why. First of all, the Bible is unique in its continuity. In its continuity. For example, it was written over 1,600 years by over uh, 40 different authors over a period of 40 different generations. The Bible was written in different places, at different times, during different moods. It was written on three different continents and written in three different languages. But here is what's amazing. Its subject matter includes hundreds of different topics, difficult topics. Yet the biblical author spoke with harmony and continuity from Genesis to Revelation. And the basic theme from cover to cover, is this. God's revelation to man. God's desire and commitment to have a loving and living relationship with you, with I, and the rest of humanity. The Bible is unique in its, in its continuity. 
The Bible is unique in its circulation. The Bible has been read by more people and published in more languages than any other book in history. Listen to this this, uh, uh, stat here. Enough scripture has been printed to circle the earth with Bibles end to end over a thousand times. That's a lot of scripture. So it's unique in its circulation. It's also unique in its translation. The Bible has been translated and retranslated and paraphrased more than any other book. Look at this picture on the screen. This is such a cool picture. This is a picture of the Bible being translated uh, in the language of the country that we were in, Pastor Chad and I, uh, a couple weeks ago. And so in this country, they don't have resources like you and I have. And so people have gone to uh, a great stakes, made great commitments, raised a lot of money so that a Bible can be given. Now, what's unique about this Bible, you see up above, you see the, the scripture. And then down below, you see study notes. Can you imagine for the first time getting a copy of God's word? in your language, and then having resources included in the scripture to help you understand it. That is a miracle. And uh, we support and partner with some missionaries who help make that happen. And that's, that's fabulous. Uh, here's another unique thing. The Bible is unique in its survival. For as long as the Bible has been around, there have been those who have tried to keep people from reading it. Dictators throughout the centuries have banned people from reading this treasured possession and even executed some who read it anyway. It has been attacked more than any other book in history. Generations of intellectuals have attempted to discredit it. The Chinese communists have torn the Bible to shreds and Chinese Christians have hidden the shreds away in secret nooks <coughs> and crannies. Let's think about this for a moment. Courtroom witnesses place a hand on it and swear to tell the whole truth. Soldiers carry this treasured possession into battle in their shirt pockets. Presidents place a hand on it to take the oath of office. Aging saints draw comfort from it during the hours of lonely struggle. Prisoners of war recite as much of it as they can from memory. Missionaries leave the comforts of their home to teach and train those throughout the world the truth and the hope found in the Bible. Historically, people have either loved it or hated it. It has either changed lives or made them so angry that they threw it across the room. But what emperors and atheists have tried to do and failed, our own complacency may have succeeded in doing. And that is this. Stopped us from knowing what's on God's mind. As a growing body of evidence attests, the Bible is the best-loved, never-read, treasured possession of all time. 
It's like it's wrapped up in a towel, put in a closet, and we've locked the door. It's become the world's most popular coffee table book. Someone once said that if we blew the dust off of our Bibles all at the same time in America, we would have a record dust storm. So sad, but probably so true. The Bible is often a treasured object, something that's looked at but not read. Research states that 93% of Americans own a Bible, but only 12% read it on a regular basis. Why does a book that merits such ringing endorsements not also merit our daily interest? Why is the only book God ever wrote read so little by God's people? Today's not designed to slap our hands or to encourage us to turn off our TVs and read the Bible through in a year. But let's think a moment about why we may not read the Bible like we should. I've come up with three reasons. Here's the first one. The Bible is not entertaining. (laughs) It just isn't fun. There are no lights, no smoke, no sound. It's just a book. You see, we live in a visual world where people read less and need to be entertained more. More of us have more TVs in our home now than we have Bibles. Now, <clears throat> get me wrong. <clears throat> I have, we have a few TVs in our home. And, and here, here's, the TV does have this unique hold on us if we allow it to, doesn't it? When I was graduating from high school... My grandparents on the other side said to me, Bill, what do you want as a, great, as a graduation gift from us? Do you want $100? Which back then, $100 could last me all semester. <laughs> okay? Or do you want a TV? Okay? So I'm 18 and I'm given this big decision to make. Now, you've got to understand the way the home I grew up in. I told you my parents are little, you know, the Bible and all this. Okay, well, TV was, you know, we had one TV. It was in the basement, 19 inches. You had a knob. You had to turn the channels. You had three channels, maybe four on a good day. Okay? Remember those TVs? And, um, you know, Dad was pretty, pretty um, conservative about what we could watch. And uh, every so often we sneak you know, the little house on the prairie and, oh, I mean, you know, so, um, so just in my young, immature kind of, uh, attitude, I said to my grandma and grandpa, I want a TV. <laughs> so they got me a TV, a black and white 13 inch. <laughs> and, um, can I, they say confession is good for the soul. So I, my bedroom was down in the basement. So I kind of had my own little pad, you know, kind of thing going on. And, and so I remember the first night I got my TV. 
13 inches, black and white. It was Saturday night, and I turned it on, and I kept the volume way down, and I watched it. Saturday Night Live. Shortly after I unwrapped the TV at my graduation party, my grandpa came by and slipped me a $100 bill, too. So <laughs> I, I won on both counts. You know, we live, <laughs> we live in a visual world where people read less and need to be entertained more. We live in a techno world society where Google does our thinking. You know, on our trip, Pastor Chad and I, we visited this large city and we went into this shopping area and Oh, the lights and the gadgets and everything was just a going. I said to him, I said, I'm going to get dizzy if I stay in here much longer. I mean, that's what we are, that's what we're becoming accustomed to. That's what entertains us and makes us feel like, you know, this is right and this is good and there's nothing wrong with it. However, it's not so much time that TV wastes. But how much TV keeps us from believing God's word. The arrogant, in-your-face attitude of television producers and sponsors keep us from believing the truth of the Bible. That's the issue. Not how many TVs are in your home. Not how much you watch. Well, maybe a little bit of that. But it's what's being fed into our minds, which go into our souls, which affects how we conduct our way of thinking. And eventually it changes even how we think and how we believe. Producers know that if you and I don't change the channel, they will change our values. Surely TV is a vast wasteland and time robber. But even more serious is that it is a values setter. Oh, be careful, church of the 21st century. Each day as we drone in front of the TV, we intentionally accept the thinking and values of this present evil age. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. The result of all of this entertainment is that it's less time in God's word, less knowledge with it, less interest in it, and less change because of it. So we don't read the Bible because it just does not entertain us. Here's another reason why we don't read the Bible. The Bible is not up to date. Come on. You know, I've heard that somewhere in Scripture, it says that as followers of Christ... There should not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. Well, that's out of date. Scripture even says, I've been told that I'm supposed to clothe myself with compassion and humility. And I'm supposed to forgive those who offend me, even at work, even in my home. (laughs) Well, that's out of date. I've heard that in the scripture it says that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church by giving his life for the church. I'm supposed to give up my 
Well, that's out of date. (laughs) Scripture even says that wives are to respect their husbands. Well, I don't give respect until someone earns. That's so out of date, isn't it? I've even heard that Scripture says that we are to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him. But how do I do that and stay happy at the same time? Because what really matters in life and the reason we want to be entertained and the reason why we don't want to read this book is we want to be happy. Happy, happy, happy. My goal in life as a parent is to make sure my kids are happy. That's why I won't tell them no. That's why I won't discipline them because I want them to be happy. Okay, let's go on. Second Timothy chapter 4 Verses 3 and 4 say this, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. You see, we live in a postmodern world where everything is possible and almost nothing is certain. Postmodernism brags that truth is a meaningless activity. Why bother? Itching ears are not interested in truth. The idea of morality is absurd. Remember these principles? Truth, authority, God, national pride, honesty, and intolerance of behavior once considered inappropriate are now out of date or appropriate. i got to change that for the next service. Hang on here a minute. That was a typo. Postmodernism thrives on chaos and desires to destroy all moral criteria and replace it with no criteria. Since God's eternal truth has no place in such a world, with the rise of postmodernism, we have witnessed a decline in biblical illiteracy. As a youth pastor, I remember, and I know, I, know, I'm, I hope you understand what I'm saying today in love and concern for the church. I like to be entertained. I watched a movie yesterday, all right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. It's okay. But if that's the focus of our free time and our lives. When I was a youth pastor, I remember we were on a, a trip, and I'm driving the van, and it was all quiet. I thought, well, that's unusual. And then all of a sudden, someone brought up a movie they had seen. And for the rest of the trip, I was all about, I mean, We have so much, we know so much stuff, but we can't even find where the book of Hebrews is in this book. Many consider the principles found in this life manual are simply archaic and old-fashioned. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That is archaic, isn't it? Another reason 
We don't read the Bible. Number three is the Bible is not easy to read. I don't like to read. I don't want to read. (laughs) I don't understand what I read. I don't really have the time to read the Bible. The Bible doesn't confirm what I believe. Really. The Bible doesn't say anything to me. If I read it, I may be accountable then to what I've read and what I've learned. If I read it, I will then need to submit to the author of the book. And that's the problem. Because we know that we will, when we do read, we are challenged. And we will need to submit to the author of the book. You see, that's why the whole creation thing is messing people up. Because they know if they believe and, and, and agree to the uh, theology of, that God created in the beginning, they need to submit themselves to the creator. And they don't want to do that. It's easy just to believe in some big bang thing and this, that, and other, and you know. That, therefore, we don't have to submit to anyone except ourselves. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So, how are we doing? <laughs> Why should we read and or study the Bible? Let me give you a couple thoughts. First of all, the Bible teaches us about God and his plan for our lives. I mean, throughout these Bibles, I have become the person that God has always wanted me to be. But I had to take the time. I had to initiate. Oh, I'm telling you what. It's still a struggle, a challenge. I don't get up every day and go, okay, let's take out the word and let's get my journal out and play some music. And, and I'm gonna, I mean, it's still a challenge. So many of us attempted to find ourselves by what we do or our our own perspective of ourselves but the bible defines our identity much differently the bible says that god created us with significance we are the capstones of his creation god created us by his hands and not by spoken word as he created everything else. God breathed into us the breath of life. He didn't do that for anything else in his creation. So we were created in his image and in his likeness. No other creation was. We are special to God. Again, happy Valentine's Day. Secondly, the Bible teaches us about history. Don't let that intimidate you. It's taken most of my life to figure out how this all fits together and works together. But it hasn't happened through osmosis. I've taken classes. I've had to study. I've had to, I've had to listen to teachers. Um, so you have to put yourself in the environment in which to learn. And when you do that in a Bible study, it may not be like, like entertaining. But, you know, I don't really like carrots. 
I eat them every so often because they're good for me. So it's not always going to be fun. You just have to apply, put yourself in that arena. Number three, the Bible provides spiritual strength and helps us maintain an emotional balance. Have you experienced that? Many of you have. Some have not. Some of you don't believe that. (laughs) As you read the Bible, you can achieve spiritual strength and an emotional balance. Tell you what, we've all been there probably. If you haven't, a day is coming. But life throws you these curveballs, don't they? There are some seasons of life that are just plain dark. We see that throughout Scripture. The the psalmist dealt with that. Um, Job dealt with that, okay? Dark seasons. If you stay in this book right here, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it'll get you through. Listen to what uh, Psalm chapter 19 says. Sorry, I don't have it on the screen. Uh, 19, 7 through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. So if you know, if you need your soul revived, it starts here. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. You need to make some tough decisions. It starts right here. Every decision that I've made that's been a big one has started here and then on my knees. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. You want joy in your heart? You want satisfaction and peace? It starts right here. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. You want a different outlook on life? The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. Verse 10 says this, They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. You want spiritual strength? You want a healthy emotional life? It starts right here in God's Word. (coughs) Number four, the Bible helps us to process the voices of the culture. As we consistently read and apply God's word, the spirit of God teaches us how to think as God thinks. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and active. So when you start to read, you start to understand you start to apply it, the Spirit of God then kicks in and begins to bring change to your life. But it doesn't happen through osmosis or by just a quick whatever. The Apostle Paul says that's how we have the mind of Christ. God reveals his mind through his son, Jesus, and through his word, the Bible. When we read God's word and act on what we have read, we reflect the mind of Christ and are able to think in a Christian way. That is a good thing. We need help in our culture today to think in a Christian way. If we immerse our minds in the mind of Christ through the word of God, we will not succumb to this postmodern world. 
Okay. So, you may be asking, well then, how do I do it? (laughs) How do I get started? You know, in the Bible app, I've given you a little bit of an acrostic. It's called SOAP. Um, You can use that. I'm not going to take time today to go into that. But can I just be simple? And and, um, here are four things. It's not on the screen. But you may want to jot this down. How do I do it? First of all, just do it. (laughs) Just do it. You know, we're... (laughs) We've got this mentality today that we need someone to spoon feed us everything that, you know, spiritually. You know what? Get a copy of God's Word. In your bulletin today, the, the sermon note on the other side, I've included some, some resources that may be helpful. They're very limited, okay? But I would encourage you to check, these, check those out. For example, this right here is called the Full Life Study Bible. This is a great resource you have the information there on your handout. I would encourage you, everyone needs a copy of this Bible. Now, you can go online, you can Google it, and check it out. Now, let, let me say this. Oh, it's going to cost some money. Well, how much was the ticket to the last concert you went to? The last sporting event? The last 29 cups of coffee? All right? You need to buy it, all right? So, so develop your own plan. Your plan doesn't have to be like my plan. It doesn't have to be like your grandma's plan. It doesn't have to be like your wife's plan. Just do your own thing and just do it. Secondly, take bite-sized pieces. Now, some of you are going to struggle with this statement. I've never been a fan of read the Bible in one year. Go. (laughs) You know, three chapters and two chapters and one chapter a day. I mean, I can't do it. Sorry, can't do it. Um, uh, So often, all I can handle some days is one verse. Because God speaks to me through that one verse, and I'm not ready to move on until I get it. I'm a little slow. (laughs) Sometimes all I can handle in one day is one one sentence in the scripture so take bite-sized pieces don't try to be a marathon person and and if that's your thing go for it god bless you um here's a thought and don't beat yourself up if you don't take time to read every day do this shoot for two or three days a week that's about how many times I go to the gym on a good week. Okay? So shoot for two or three days a week. And then what I would encourage you to do, maybe once a week, take a half hour and just spend some good quality time in God's Word and prayer. And then I would encourage you, every couple of months, take a half a day. you got a half a day every couple of months. And just take a half a day and just enjoy being in God's presence, put some music on, open up God's word, um, and, and, and so forth. Number three, use every opportunity to learn. What I mean by that, Pastor Chad gives us an incredible balanced diet every week. Start there. Take the passage that he has preached from. Take the notes that you have taken and, and continue 
your understanding of what's being taught here on a Sunday morning. Go to a grow group. Go to a connect group. Do something. Just bite-sized pieces. And then finally, ask God for help. Ask God to help you put together a plan for yourself. You know, finally, I just... Man, if you're a parent, i got to challenge you. I've got to challenge you today. Are you parenting according to the Bible? Or are you parenting according to another standard? I've said this already, parents. Your child's happiness is not your goal. Your goal should be focused on the principles found in God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 6 through 9 from the message. Write these commandments, parents, that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside of your children. Talk about them. Talk about them. Wherever you are, sitting at home, walking in the street, talking about them from the, from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Parents, if you are not grounded in God's word, the Bible, there's no way for you to impress upon your children what's in this book. I challenge you, parents. Your kids need to catch you in God's Bible, in God's, in God's word. Well, I read the Bible from my cell phone. You know what? Get a hard copy. I have the Bible on my cell phone and my iPad, and I use it. But I want my family to know that in the morning when I get up, the first thing that I do is not running to Facebook to see what I've missed overnight or find out what the next news story is. I want my family to know that the first thing I do when I get up on most mornings is to be in God's Word. You need a hard copy of God's Word. The greatest legacy you can leave for your children is the time you spend in God's word as you apply it to your life and then imprint it on your children. I am who I am because of the living, active word of God that has been applied to my life through the reading and study of the Bible. I'm so grateful for parents that help me to understand the importance of God's word. And not, they just didn't tell me, like I've said, they modeled it. I am who I am because my parents were diligent in helping me to understand the Bible as it became my treasured possession. I am who I am because the Bible has been my source in making the big decisions of my life. I am who I am because the Bible has been my comfort and my help during some of the darkest and most difficult days of my life. I am who I am because of this book, the Bible, the truth. I cannot imagine life without it. And I want you as the church of the 21st century to be reminded once again of the incredible treasured possession that we have. If you haven't opened it up in a while, blow the dust off, unwrap it, Take the towel off of it from your closet and get it out. And let's make God's word a priority once again. Would you stand please today? I'm going to take scripture today as we close. Psalm chapter 119. 
There's 176 verses. And every single verse talk. I'm not going to read them all right now, okay? But every verse talks about the psalmist's love for God's word. And so today in closing, I'm going to ask us just if, if you're comfortable just to uh, create a posture of your uh, lifting your hands up to the Lord. And let's, let me pray this passage today as we commit ourselves once again to following our lives after what it says in the Bible. Oh Lord, I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your word. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. Help me not to neglect your word, O God. May your word always, always be a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. I thank you, God, for your living word. Help us to apply it. First of all, help us to read it and then to apply it and to make it our priority once again in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen, amen. Stay warm. Have a great week. Thanks for being here today.